Good day all, as Apostle Thompson from Benin Republic. Welcome to my podcast. We are continuing from where we stopped in the previous audio, discussing the contamination of human DNA with angelic seed and the seduction by knowledge. Uh, so I will bow our heads in prayer. Sweet Spirit of God, thank you because the entrance of your word giveth light. Thank you for this light brightening our life, delivering us from sickness, disease, infection, infirmity, and more forms of demonic bondages, respectively, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for speaking with us afresh and anew. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> Amen. All right, we stopped by saying that in the western world there have been multiple tales of alien abductions of human beings and some even reported their experiments were done on them in some unidentified flying objects and then the u.s recently released their desire on unidentified flying objects Anyway, uh, according to former Senator Reid, who edited the original UFO program at the Pentagon, he disclosed that research that was done by U.S. De- Defense Department showed that not two people, four people, or six people, or even 20 people, but rather hundreds and hundreds of people have seen things that is classified as either alien, extraterrestrial, or unidentified flying objects. And some of them, even at the same time, which makes them, the U.S. government, to believe that there is something like that. Other U.S. military and intelligence officials have detailed the odd sightings with some of the more credible reports coming from pilots who have personally observed UFOs near military weapons and training facilities from within their own cockpits. John Radcliffe, a former director of national intelligence, also confirmed that we are talking about objects that have been seen by Navy or Air Force pilots or have been picked up by satellite imagery that frankly engage in actions that are difficult to explain, movement that are hard to replicate, that we don't have the technology for, or are traveling at speeds that exceed the sound barrier without a sonic boom. And former President Barack Obama himself disclosed that. What is true, and I'm actually being serious here, is that there are there is footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. Okay? On Monday, 28, 2020, two years ago, the U.S. Pentagon released three Navy videos meant to clear up any misconception about UFOs. On June 25, 2021, last year, a BBC Online reported that back in 2020, December, the former head of Israeli Space Directorate at the country's defense ministry told a local newspaper in Israel that former President Trump 
was on the verge of revealing the existence of an intergalactic treaty, but he pulled back out of fear of inciting a mass hysteria. Can you imagine that? That Trump was, during Trump presidency, was about to actually announce that human beings, that is USA on behalf of humanity, has actually signed an intergalactic treaty with alien life. But I put back for fear of the mass hysteria that is going to cause. This was reported as recently as June 25, 2021 by BBC. So it's not a fluke, it's not a junk story. Okay? Now, there is an agreement between the US government and aliens. Uh, for, forgive me for the pronunciations and Israeli name. I don't know how to pronounce Yiddish name very well. But this man in Asia told the idiot Harunot newspaper. He said, he claimed that they signed a contract with us human beings to do experiments here on Earth. But BBC concluded that the far-fetched statement has not been confirmed. That's what BBC said. said they have not confirmed. They reported the story, but they, have, they said it has not been confirmed either by a man or by anybody from extraterrestrial. Even if there were any such agreements, on my part, I have found authoritatively from the evidence of biblical scriptures that the biological mingling of the seed of aliens with mankind will never result in a physical being on earth again. That's what I'm too sure about. And if there are such visitations, they are not extraterrestrials, they are actually demons. It is possible through transhumanism, mankind can be matched with demonic beings, or in today's terminology, extraterrestrials, who some modern pseudo-scientists and archaeologists now claim are the actual progenitor of mankind. Remember the aforementioned controversial Catholic writer and Swiss pseudo-archaeologist that I mentioned before, Eric von Danica. He openly flounced the bad wish that Pope Francis sent to him in public interview to underscore that he's also Catholic. He has suggested that it was scientific illiteracy that made the Bible to be written in as a religious document and that if certain keywords in the Bible were translated according to today's technological awareness, then we would have a different reality. And using interpretations of Sumerian text and the Old Testament Bible as evidence, he concluded that what we call religion today is actually the reaction of primitive mankind to their contacts with ancient astronauts who is said that this is a prehistoric act. For example, if the Bible translated the heavens simply as the sky, and the presence of God is translated merely as the mother spacecraft, space, spacecraft, while angels of God are translated as extraterrestrial, then we will realize that there are no gods. <laughs> That's what he's saying. For example, I mean, Daniken who ironically still claims that he believes in God, but has been the silence on the issue of salvation asserted while explaining his theory of origin of man in a February 1, 2021 YouTube channel documentary, Universe Inside of You. 
he said, according to many old myths, some religious claim that the so-called gods created humans in their own image, which is so easy to understand in our days. But imagine that some unknown millions of eons ago, some aliens infected a sector of the Milky Way with DNA, which is spread out like dust. The biggest part will disappear because it will come into gravity of the sun and we burn. But some will reach a planet which has no condition for life like our own, or our Jupiter, for example, or our Mercury, which is too odd there. But a small part of that DNA will land on a planet which has similar conditions like the one that we are in right now. And then life will begin. This entity will start to spread out life new in advance, which planets in the Milky Way, there will be an evolution. So later, they came with their spaceship. As expected, they find a planet full of life. Among them, some say our ancestors. Their ancestors, not my own ancestors, but their own ancestors, which are apes and chippers and gorillas and evolution types. So they took simple one example of it and simply one cell. They changed the DNA code, the basic code in the cell. They put this back into a liquid nutrition. The cell multiplies and grows. The product they put in the womb of the woman of the same person. This female it gives back to a child. So that is his own theory of origin of man. It's scientific, you know, it's pseudo-scientific explanation of the origin of man and of mankind. I mean, these kind of conclusions are the consequence of mankind's attempt to use man's own reasoning to interpret creation. We must understand that God is a spirit, first and foremost. And as such, those who worship him or seek to understand him must do so also in spirit. John 4, verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 to 25 says that the Jews, they request a sign. Greeks, they seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. And to the Jews, is a stumbling block. To the Greeks, is foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews or Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. The Greek who seek wisdom are to this time scientists, philosophers, astrobiologists, and pseudo-archaeologists, who are trying to understand creation by the evidence of their own eyes and finite mind. But scripture is clear that the foolishness of God is wiser than man. Romans 11, 33 to 35 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgment. And his way is past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him? And it shall be repaid to him. So while Daniel King correctly deduced that contact with this extraterrestrial battered human religion is wrong in assuming that they are merely alien visitors from another planet rather than what the Bible called them falling angels demons, evil spirits, unclean spirits, devourer, etc. And it's equally wrong in assuming that the prophets Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, John the Beloved, Enoch, etc. were describing spacecrafts when they wrote about the presence of God. Or that they meant aliens when they described the angelic order of watchers, the stars of heaven, the sons of God, cherubim and seraphim respectively. Danigan is not alone in this wild claim that it was extraterrestrials who colonized the earth 
or cloned an inferior version of themselves, known as humans, to populate it. In his own book, Gods of Eden, William Bramley claimed to present a disturbing evidence of an alien presence on Earth. Extraterrestrial visitors who have conspired to dominate mankind through violence and kills since the beginning of time, a conspiracy which continues to this very day, evidence in the innate drive to make war upon his neighbors in man, in spite of our intellectual and technological advancement, that they came to add millions of years ago to spread the poison of hatred, war, and catastrophe, a sinister thread that he claims links humanity's darkest events, from wars of the ancient pharaohs even to the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Now, the claims above are not so far-fetched, given that the Bible had already informed us that Satan, his army of angels, and the fallen angels, together with their offspring, are the originator and custodian or promoters of evil on earth. But Bramley erroneously linked these extraterrestrials to the rulers of ancient Mesopotamia known as the Anunnaki, who according to its list of 10 pre-flood rulers were descended from heaven and ruled for a combined period of 400,000 years. The prehistoric text was first published in 1906 and typically stated, I mean, typically started with the phrase after the kingship descended from heaven. The kingship was in Eridu, that is a city. This pattern of cities receiving kingship and then falling or being defeated only to be succeeded by the next is repeated in the text which lists the first 10 cities or kings and duration of each reign. Then it ends with the line that then the flood swept over. The text concluded with after the flood has swept over, the kingship descended from heaven again. The kingship was in Kish. That is another city. At this post-flood period, 23 kings now descended from heaven to rule between 1,500 and 300,000 years each, making a total of 24,510 years. 24,510, I mean, I don't know, 24,510 years. The reader should understand that this king list is actually written in Sumerian. Okay? It's an ancient language of that region. And it is sourced from at least 16 different clay tablets or cylinders of fragments containing records of the early dynasties of several prominent cities who were the founding civilization of ancient Mesopotamia, from where agriculture, temple building, and writing began to spread throughout the world. There's no dispute about this. Okay? It is this text that Bramley cited to explain his own theory on the origin of man in a YouTube channel, Universe Inside the Documentary of February 1, 2021, confirming the human being as being bioengineered for sleeps for these descended god kings in order not only to get agricultural going, but also to build structures for the use of these gods. He posited that this could be true given that archaeological evidences pointed to the fact that agriculture and shrine construction started in that region. He also cited the opinions of Russian-American author Zekari Sitchin, who in his 1976 book, 
the 12th planet, also claim that the Anunnaki were actually an advanced humanoid extraterrestrial species from undiscovered planet Niburu, who came to Earth about 500,000 years to mine gold after discovering that the planet was rich in precious metal. He claimed that the Anunnaki interbred with space, their species with Homo erectus through in vitro fertilization to create human beings as slave species of miners for the gold mines. Now, Sitchin claimed that when Antarctic glaciers melted, causing the great flood, which destroyed their bases on Earth, the Anunnaki were forced to temporarily leave Earth's surface and then begin to orbit the planet. Consequently, the Anunnaki needed more human beings to help in their massive effort to rebuild their bases. So they taught mankind how to do agriculture. Sitchin believed that Anunnaki built the pyramids and other monumental structures from around the ancient world, which ancient astronauts, theorists, considered so impossible to build without highly advanced technologies. Now, using the Mesoamerican long count calendar, he infamously predicted in his 2007 book, The End of This, Armageddon, and the Prophecy of, of the Return, that Anunnaki will return on Earth around 2012. Well, as you all know, that prophecy failed. So that failed prediction is one of the many reasons why critics of pseudo-archaeology believes that Sitchin deliberately misinterpreted Sumerian texts by quoting them out of context, truncating quotations, and misinterpreting Sumerian words to suit his preferred conclusion that is different from the accepted definitions. Now, on the question of whether human beings are still in to Anunnaki today, Bramley expressed personal disturbance at reports of hybrid breeding in the modern UFO phenomenon, which is likened to the same pattern described in the old creation story to suggest that they could be breeding a new variation of human that may be modern humanity has completed its role if the goal was to build an infrastructure for them to use to get their society going in terms of agricultural electricity etc for them to finally move in and take over then you could say that we still are slaves and are nearing the end of that and that they are getting ready to replace us yeah, that is significant of the whole hybrid thing so what he's trying to say there is that since people have been reporting that uh, uh, aliens are capturing them and doing a spent on them then it may be that they are trying to interbreed to bring a new race so that when they have formed, got a new race now they will not destroy us when they first put here to serve them to get society going we have already created all the modern amenities that is really that is ready for civilization so they don't need us again they will just come they will destroy us and replace us with another hybrid that is what his own conclusion is now another south african uh pseudo scientist michael telinga he described himself as authority on ancient vanishes civilization of south africa uh, also an authority on the mysterious origins of humankind resonance semantics and the power of sound he also believed that the Anunnaki, in their quest for gold, were the Asian gods, referred to by African Zulu shaman and native witch doctors, who came down from the sky to create human beings to be the slaves of South African gold mines. <laughs> oh God! In his website, he claimed that long before the Sumerians or the Egyptians saw the light of day, an advanced civilization of human lived in South African 
mining gold there. They left behind more than 10 million stone circles, rooms, all connected to each other, that make up the largest cluster of stone rooms found anywhere on earth today. Their tools and artifacts indicate that they had a deep understanding of sound and resonance and used sound to power their tools and also as a source of energy. They carved the first statue of Horus, the first Sphinx. They built the first pyramids and built an accurate stone calendar right in the heart of it all, which is called Adam's calendar. It's the flagship among millions of circular stone rooms and ancient channels, agricultural terraces, and thousands of ancient mines, mysterious tools and artifacts left behind by the Anunnaki and the mysterious vanished civilization. By the way, this uh, Telinga is not a black man, he's a white man, he's a white South African. And this is his own theory that uh, Anunnaki came down millions of years ago before Egypt civilization, before the Sumerian civilization, Anunnaki had come and created the race of slaves, of human beings as slaves here who work their mind, mindset. That's what he's saying. Explain his own theory on the same. In February 1, 10, 10, 10, Origin of Man documentary on YouTube, Universe Inside of You, he claimed that Anunnaki, Anunnaki came to act to seek for gold and they participated in various cloning activities of different species, including animals and, of course, the human race. That modern mining companies have destroyed archaeological evidences of this ancient civilization by, by covering over thousands of ancient mining tunnels that were discovered in their mining activities around the world. Since these alien gods have no good intention for their human creation, Telingna believe that majority of the information we get from the sky gods were maliciously released to cause a species with amnesia as to who we are, where we come from, and why we are here, and to keep searching for our origins only to discover that we are not who we think we are. So he believed that the human obsession for gold stemmed from this ancient linkage with the Anunnaki. Since other than for wealth protection and financial exchange, jewelry, adornments, medals, electronics, space exploration, medicine, dentistry, which, I mean, other minerals could equally provide, succeeding human empires and civilizations have risen and fallen in the quest of this gold, while primitive societies where they will find the gold always have the same refrain towards gold. They keep telling them, look, it does not belong to us, it belongs to the gods. And so because of this, uh, Telinga be believed that uh, the reason why gold is so dear to human beings is because of the craving that Anunnaki have placed in us when they cloned us. He said that the war that the British Empire fought from 1899 to 1902 with 470,000 soldiers countless warships and numerous war cannons against a few thousand boar of farming settlers in South Africa was actually because of the gold deposit of that country with the British monarch wanted to secure because the bloodline heirs of the British monarch goes back to the ancient priest kings of Sumer, which controls the world today through all kinds of devious atrocities, including murder, torture, and extortion and that they knew about the thousands of ancient tunnels between 30 to 50 meters deep that are still filled with processed finished yellow bars of gold 
that is left underground in South Africa since the anonymous times. So Telegna claim that majority of the gold mines in the world today are not accounted for. It's not sitting somewhere in the vault, he said. It's not just, it's just nowhere to be found. You can't find it. They are mining it, but we don't know where they are going. That's what he's saying. So he therefore believes that in some mysterious ways, human being is still mining gold for the Anunnaki, whom we describe as multi-dimensional beings that can traverse space, time, and dimensions, who use, are still active in this earthly realm and world that we think is ours, but actually is their world because we were created as slaves to serve them. That is his own theory of creation and purpose of human being. He therefore wants us to readjust the nature of our reality to accommodate the reality that Anunnaki is still taking the gold of this planet, though he admitted to being clueless as to how they are doing it. <laughs> However, these studios archaeologists are not agreed on exactly what this Anunnaki declared to be in control of the world, they don't agree on what they look like if we are created in their image. So uh, what image are they actually? None of them agree. Why some of them liken them to over-headed giants? Some others claim that they are reptilian and shapeshifters. One of such later group is David Icke, a former English footballer, sports broadcaster, and self-published author who popularized the reptilian conspiracy theory that claim that reptilian overlords are in fact the Anunnaki. His new age and conspiratorial speculations incorporate far-right views on history, positing that an Aryan master race descended by blood from the Anunnaki to establish the Freemason and Illuminati secret societies. You can check out my book, Grand Zero Prophetic, Mystery Babylon, for more on Freemason and limited terrorists. But the Sumerians themselves, because we have their text with us, they refer to themselves and rather to their land as the land of Kenji, meaning the country of noble lords. And they refer to themselves as black-headed ones or black-headed people. For example, the Sumerian king Shugi described himself as the king of the four quarters, the pastor of black-headed people. The Akkadians also called the Sumerians black-headed people, or Ahmad Kakwadi in their in Semitic Akkadian language. So if Sumer is the first civilization on earth, where agriculture, shrine building, and city-state emerge, is there any traces of it in the Bible? Because the Bible should tell us, right? right? Well, the answer is yes. Mesopotamia, which literally means land between the rivers, because it lies between the Euphrates and the Tigris rivers, is what is now modern Iraq. This is the land of the Sumerians, and it is the location of the first 11 chapters of Bible in Genesis. The first cities founded after the flood by Noah, by Noah's descendant Nimrod, were Babel, which is Babylon, Erech, which is Uruk, Akkad, which is Akkad, and they were all in Mesopotamia, Genesis chapter 10, verses 10 to 12. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kani in line in the land of Shina. Shina, that Shina is the Hebrew translation of Sumer. So from the land, 
he went to Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Calais, Rezin, between Nineveh and Kelin, that is the principal city. So, southern Mesopotamia is below the latitude of its near sea level today, and it included Sumer and Akkad, which are together referred to as Babylon, where the remains of such ancient Mesopotamian cities as Sherupak, Uruk, and Or are represented by the occasional mounds that we see on the plain and flat land there. While northern Mesopotamia is ancient Assyria in the Bible. So the Bible indicated that Noah also lived around this area because the ark of Noah landed in Genesis chapter 8, verse 4, upon the mountains of Ararat, which is in today's Armenia and is located just north of Mesopotamia, that is near ancient Assyria. Now, the Garden of Eden, referred to in the Bible, Genesis 2, chapter 8, I mean, Genesis 2, verses 8 to 14, was also located in the land of the four rivers of Mesopotamia, that is Euphrates, Tigris, Pishon, and Gion. Now, Cain also went out from Eden and dwelt in the land of Nod, Genesis 4, verse 16, to the east of Eden. So the names of some of Noah's descendants mentioned in Genesis 10, e.g., Ophir, Avila, Ashur, represent places bordering Mesopotamia, and the Tower of Babel was located on the plain of Shemesh, Genesis 11, verse 2, and may have been ziggurat of ancient Babylon. So the Sumerian king list, from which the proponents of Anunnaki civilization quotes, also mentions Shurupak as being the hometown of a certain Suzudra. No doubt, this is a transliteration of Hebrew name of Noah in the Sumerian folk tales that eventually became written in the Sumerian king list. Suzudra means the very wise one, and he is introduced in the Sumerian text as a pious king. Lastly, it was Noah's descendant, Abraham, who almost 1,000 years later left Mesopotamia called Oh for the promised land of Canaan. Ezekiel 16, verse 3, Joshua 24, verse 2. Abraham was born as Abraham in Sumer city of Or in Mesopotamia in present-day Iraq and was married to Sarah according to Genesis 11, 27 to 32. In 2004 BC, the Elamites, descended of Noah's son Shem, stormed Or and took control of Sumer. This was the first fulfillment of the prophecy by Noah in Genesis 9, verse 26, that Canaan will be servant to Shem before the Israelites will later uncompletely fulfill it in the time of Moses and Joshua and King David. At the same time that Elam was evading all, the Amorites mentioned repeatedly in Old Testament along with the Canaanites and Ethiopians, Genesis 15, 13 to 21, had begun to supplant the Sumerian population. Now, recall that Sumer is Shina in the Bible, so all is populated by the descendants of Ham, meaning that these invasions are really a just tool for supremacy among cousins. Genesis 10, 6 to 20. And the elements eventually marched into the Amorite culture, becoming the Babylonians, marking the end of Sumeria as a distinct body from the rest of Mesopotamia. You can see this in Genesis 49, 
34 to 39, Isaiah 11, 21, 22, and also Ezekiel 32, 24 to 26. So in fact, by the time that Abraham relocated to Canaan, the Amorites were the overlords in Canaan. Genesis 14, verse 13. Then one who had escaped came and told Abraham the evil, for he dwelt by the terebit tree of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eshkol and the brother of Ammon, and they were the allies of Abraham. So the Amorites were allies of Abraham as at this time. To further underscore the fact that biblical Amorites and the Canaanites are the settlers of ancient Mesopotamia, Judges chapter 3, verse 7 to 11 mentioned Kusham Rishatam, king of Mesopotamia, as one of the kingdoms on the east of Jordan that the children of Israel supplanted when they occupied Canaan. Now, the term Amorite is used in the Bible to refer to a tribe of people who inhabited the islands of Canaan, described in Genesis 10, verse 16. Now, Amos chapter 2, verse 9 described them as a powerful people of great stature, like the height of cedars, who occupied the land east and west of Jordan. So it means that these were giants. Okay, now, uh, although Van Cedars, a Canadian scholar of the Hebrew Bible and the ancient Near East, concluded that we may say that the Amorite in the Old Testament does not correspond to any political ent ethnic entity known from the historical documents of the second millennia BC. Their use of the term is largely ideological and rhetorical and represents the primavia wicked nations whom God displaced in order to give Israel its land, the Bible nevertheless explicitly told us in Genesis 10 verses 15 to 16 that they were descended from Canaan, the son of Ham. So I would rather take the Bible rather than the opinion of this Canadian scholar of Hebrew Bible and ancient Near, Near East. Now, the Bible followed, further told us that the Amorite king, Og, East of Jordan was described in Deuteronomy 3 verse 1 as the last remnant of the Rephim, meaning that they were of greater than average height and building a theory. And I want you to calmly listen. Now, Genesis 14 verse 5, that's where you find it. Now, Genesis 15 verse 20, also, you find it there. Now, they were also the founders of Hebron on Canaan territory west of Jordan, Jordan Judges 1 verse 10 to underscore the fact that the term Amorite and Canaanite were more or less used interchangeably in the Bible, okay? Canaan and Amorite were used interchangeably in the Bible. Canaan being more general and Amorite, a specific tribe among the Canaanites who inhabited the land. Judges 4 verse 2 also identified the king of Canaan as Jabin, who reigned at Ezel during the judgeship of Deborah, over the promised land. Now, hear this. The Raphaim are distant relatives of the Anakins. And the Anakins are known to be a race of giants whom the Bible says are descended from Anak. They were said to have lived in southern part of the land of Canaan, near Hebron. You can see that in Genesis 23, verse 2, and Joshua 15, verse 13. According to Genesis 14, verses 5 to 6, they occupied the region later known as Edom and Moab in the days of Abraham. Their name may come from a Hebrew root word, 
meaning necklace or neck chain. In Joshua 15 verse 13, we learned that Abba, the greatest man among the Anakites, was also the father of Anak. Joshua 14 verse 15, after whom the tribe was named. Abba also founded Hebron, west of Jordan, on Canaan territory, according to Genesis 1 verse 10, proving that the Anakites are a clan of the Amorites. Are you getting it? The Anakites are a clan of the Amorites. Their formidable appearance, described by the 12 spies sent to survey the land east of Jordan, had caused so much trepidation in the camp of Israel that Israel likened them to Nephilim, the giants of Hades, Genesis 6. The descendants of man and angelic seed. That is who the Israelite spies likened this Anakites to. Okay, Joshua conquest of the land destroyed their identity as a distinct clan, though some escaped to find refuge among their cousins, the Philistines, where they soon became a leap, the military champions of Gaza, of Gath, and of Ashtod. You can see that in Joshua 11, 22, and also 4 Samuel 7, 13 to 14. And part of those are the Goliath and his brothers, they are descendants of Anakims, whom David and his men killed in their own generation. So while it might seem logical to accept as evidence the Sumerian king list that documented its rulers, we must also understand that such a list was likely to have been created and redacted to legitimize the claims to power of various city-states and the kingdoms in southern Mesopotamia during the late 3rd and early 2nd millennium BC. And since the Bible is the final authority on creation and the act for any true believer, we can only conclude that the Sumer King's list is merely the, the depiction rather, of pre- and post-flood biblical events in Mesopotamian mythology rather than a factual, literal, pre-Bible occurrence. Because the Bible had already stated that human beings lived for an incredibly long span before the flood, and that after the flood, ancient Babylon or Sumer or Shina became the first line point of civilization before human language was confused and mankind branched into tribes according to their languages. So the unbelievably long lifespan of Sumer that is seen on the Sumer king's list could only be attributed to the fact that its royal royal historians exaggerated the reign of their kings to sustain the aura of mysticism around them. In my book, Apocalypse, Biblical Entire Matters, I explain from scripture that the origin of universal paganism, as well as the roots of various folklore and legends of ancient civilization, some of which are resurfacing today, is traceable to the same region of Sumer or Shinar or Mesopotamia. In fact, it was the prepotence of demonic worship, resulting from the ongoing activities of evil spirit offspring of angelic seed and human females in order to foster the prophecy of God in Genesis 3, 15, that made God to separate Abraham from Mesopotamia unto himself for the purpose of establishing a unique tribe of human beings who will be loyal only to God and be able to produce the promised Savior 
of mankind. Note that for the first 235 years of man's creation and the decades after men fell in garden, there was no corporate prayer said on this earth to God until the birth of Enosh, Adam's grandson, Genesis 4. Okay? This was because man was living by conscience and the Spirit of God was still actively involved in our daily lifestyle so that sin was an exception rather than the rule. The average age of getting married and starting a family progressively reduced from 130 years with successive generations as the divine decree in Genesis 3 verse 22 that man will not live forever in falling state begin to set in. Adam was 622 years old when Enoch, his six grandchildren, was born. And by this time, mankind had become worldly, but not idolatrous. So much so that Enoch's lifestyle was remarkably different from the rest of humanity. Hence, he had the reputation that Enoch walked with God 300 years. He had sons and daughters. Apostle Jude, in the New Testament, told us that Enoch was the first prophet on this earth. Jude 14 and 15. Now Enoch, seven from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they are committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners are spoken against them. By the eye of the Holy Spirit, Enoch was able to discern that mankind will become apostates and that God will bring judgment. Now note that in his days, the kind of prophecy that will have impressed his generation will have been the kind that speaks of, ex of the expected Messiah to deliver from the consequences of sin that God promised in Genesis 3 verse 5. But Enoch rather saw the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to judge humanity from godly lifestyles and blasphemy. June, Jude 16 to 18 further disclosed that by comparing to the era of Enoch, what the end time attitude of man will be. He said, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering words to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. As they told you that there will be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly laws. These are sensual persons who cause division because they don't have the spirit. In a nutshell, Jude was describing all the negative consequences of unbridled comfort. It was a period of grace where conscience was the check on excesses. Unfortunately, the Adamic nature created an atmosphere for perversion. Man abused grace and went into free fall, culminating in coupling of angels with humans. Humanity is back at that parallel to Enoch's errors on that now where the church is leading the world in abusing the salvation grace of Christ. And prosperity dominion of man on earth seems to have replaced righteousness and eternal life as the ultimate purpose of man. May I authoritatively sit here 
judging from the ministry of the first human prophet of the Lord, the aim of true divine prophecy is not to bless man in sin or complacency, but rather to warn man against sin and compromise. Enoch spent 365 years on earth, being the conscience of his generation and a lone witness for God before God translated him. It was this legacy that his great-grandson Noah inherited so that about 500 years after Enoch lived, Genesis 6 verse 8 recorded that, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This was at a period when mankind had become defied with angelic seed, resulting in idolatry, immorality, war, magic, it is as earlier stated. We are going to stop here and we'll continue from here in the next audio. May the Lord bless the words in his heart. Let the Holy Spirit work on it in you for perfection, for maturity in Christ, and to prepare you for eternal life and rapture in the name of Jesus Christ. Let unbelievers be convicted by the word. Let sins be strengthened by the word in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Feel free to contact me on any of my addresses accompanying this audio. Google my name, Apostle Thompson Books on uh, okarabu.com, kobu.com, amazon.com. You'll find them there. On amazonbook.com, they are in three parts. We have the ebook. We have the paperback, we have the art covers, you can get anyone you like, they are affordable. But on uh, okarabu.com and recruitingbook.com respectively, they are only on ebook format, also affordable. The Lord bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. See you around next time. And remember, Christ is coming back soon. Maranatha. <laughs>